1: Seconds remaining.
2: They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. It's the Drew for the win. Gone. Oh, they did it. A miracle.
0: Fudges. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it awe. And college basketball. It's not the size of the dog
1: in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog.
2: Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. I am your host, Jim Root. This week, we are the three-man weave. The crew is here to talk college basketball betting this week. I'm with Kai McEwen and Matt Cox. Every Wednesday morning, we'll be dropping a new Big Bets on Campus episode, talking all things in the world of college hoops. Today's episode, man, we're going through our typical outline here. We're going to start with Live Dog of the Week, which was hot, hot, hot last week, fellas. We'll get to that. Scorchers. So we hope to maintain that success this week. Uh, We're also going to talk power games, mid-major games, some of the trash man games of the week. And of course, we'll have a little spotlight section at the end. This time we're talking weird schedule spots and possible at-large teams, non-traditional at-large teams. So it's kind of a double feature in the spotlight section. Kai, Matt, you guys ready? Do you have any thoughts you want to get in before we start talking live pups? Jim, I'm fine. I just want to start talking live pups. They're my favorite section of our podcast. If I had to choose one favorite section, it would be this. It's the headliner. That's why we put it at the top, Matthew. Let's roll. Matt, just to recap last week, I, I, I know I said we were hot. I want to make sure that people know. Three of the five live dogs we discussed in this section, one outright would be Paul at Louisville, Murray State at Memphis, and South Dakota State at Washington State on a hell of a buzzer beater by Mr. Baylor Shireman. So, yeah, we got to beat our chest a little bit. You go 60% on outright dogs. You're going to make a lot, a lot of money, fellas.
3: ROI, strong. Very strong. Strong to quite strong. Hey, we think they're going to be even stronger this weekend, too. Flex emoji. Flex emoji. Puff smoke emoji. Oh, yeah, that's
2: good. uh, We're built different in our live dog taking.
3: We're we're built. Actually, we're all built fairly similarly. So the irony is that that's Mm -hmm. not actually applicable to us. But, hey, that's fine. That's okay.
0: Where's my dog? Uh Uh-huh, where's my dog?
2: All right, let's talk this week then. Let's turn our attention forward. We don't want to dwell too much on the past. we got to keep the success coming. So I've got four here to discuss that I think are, are really ones to zero in on. And then I'm curious what you guys think about any others. We're starting with two tonight, Wednesday night, as you're hopefully listening to this Wednesday, New Mexico State at Washington State. Now, Matt, we are not ganging up on Kyle Smith. We're not trying to be mean to a coach that we really, really like. But man, they, this is the second straight week they're appearing in this section after losing to the Jack Bunnies. Do we think that the Aggies go on the road and nip the Cougars as well?
3: A general rule of thumb, or I guess a common denominator in a lot of our money line plays is trying to attack favorites that seem to be sort of in flux. I'm not saying Washington State's a broken team, Kai, but you read between the lines, you read the tea leaves. Some of the quotes from Kyle Smith's pressers the last two games, the rotations have ebbed and flowed quite a bit. Tyrell Roberts, a key starter there, of elite shot maker. He started to sort of hit a wall defensively. He's not been as great. They've had some injuries up front. Roberts played seven uh, minutes against seven South minutes. State. He's so a nobody. It, you could just kind of tell Kyle Smith is still trying to find the right concoction, and I think he knows that Pac-12 plays right around in the corner. He's also not dumb, Kai. New Mexico State's a legit team with legit talent and a legit basketball coach in Chris Jans. But I think the latter point is all the more reason why you're looking to potentially back this live puppy dog as they travel up to the pack Northwest.
1: Yeah. Poor Wazoo. They're in this section again. And Kyle Smith scheduling, you might have to hand it to him. I think he's doing something pretty smart. He's playing very, very good mid majors, which is probably going to boost his net at the end of the day. Now he hasn't taken care of business against all of them. Eastern Washington was a bad loss, but playing Santa Barbara, playing Winthrop, playing Weber state, playing South Dakota state, playing New Mexico state. That's a pretty good way to boost your net while also probably winning most of those games. Not all those games. Again, hasn't gone to plan, but I think Smith's doing something pretty smart by doing that. However, New Mexico State's dangerous. I think mean, Jim's picked a good one here. Now, Donnie Tillman might still be out of the lineup. He's obviously huge for New Mexico oh. State, but it's a deep team. They've lived with injuries before. They'll do it again. The one thing I'm worried about in New Mexico State, Chris Jan's teams always have issues
2: with fouling. Wazoo could live the line in this matchup. Wazoo should get Deshaun Jackson back. They're big shot swatting big man. He missed that South Dakota State game. I had a hand contusion. He's expected to be back for this one. So that gives him a little bit more size to combat New Mexico State inside. The visiting Aggies are not the shooting team that South Dakota State is. So they'll have to really manufacture more points in the paint. And this is the fourth straight road game for New Mexico State. Yeah. you got to be a little bit concerned there. They're going at UTEP rivalry game, at New Mexico rivalry game, at Loyola Marymount, barely scraped one out on the road there. If they win a fourth straight road game? It does sound challenging, but I think it is worth a stab here, just based on what Matt said about the influx rotation for Wazoo and the great coach on the New Mexico State end. I don't know if you're going to be on board with this next one, but I think it's my favorite one on the board. No, just it's for, mine too. For it's several too. reasons, we will get to them. This is Howard at Georgetown. This is also Wednesday night. Ken Palm is a 13-point spread, so you're going to get a very juicy money line price here. But, Kai, I, I just knew Georgetown against worst competition always tends to play down to them. They're coming off the win against Syracuse, a major high for this team. Howard is very much a, if you can't beat him, join them team for me. Yep. I've, been, I've been wrong <laughs> on them this season. They are much better than expected. And I just think this game has a ton of variance in the fact that both teams shoot a lot of threes. Both teams can make threes. Some both can go cold. And a 13-point spread with Georgetown, a possible letdown spot. Man, that's that's all you're looking for with a potentially live dog. It would be so Georgetown for them to lose this game. It definitely feels
1: like a game they can lose. Hey, same city, right? There's no travel here. Presumably there's some Howard,
2: fans in the crowd in this game it I might assume. be more than George, a Georgetown home I crowd think. and not yeah. game is not traditionally a huge yeah. thing.
3: Even for the Q's game, it was like a wine and cheese. I felt it was yeah. fairly desolate. And I, I don't know. I wasn't there from TV. It did not seem like it was an overwhelmingly dominant boisterous crowd by any stretch. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I think Howard does well in a shootout, which they'll definitely try to make it that two top 23 percentage teams here, but Howard that they're seventh in the country in field goal attempts percentage in transition they get out and run they do it often georgetown 244th in defensive field goal attempt percentage they allow a lot in transition that hopefully negates the glass disadvantage howard has in this game georgetown clearly the bigger team here that's the advantage for them i do think howard can stick around 13 sheesh no one likes to lay double digits with georgetown Here's my quick comparison. Howard is
3: a lot like Cornell. And now at first you look at these teams and you're thinking, okay, I don't know if I want to back an underdog that's going to want to get into a track meet, which plays to a higher possession game. And that typically favors the favorite, but they're both unsolved riddles conundrums at this point. And I, I think until teams have a good scouting report as to how to stop what Kenny Blakeney's selling this year, what uh, Brian Earl's done at Cornell, I think they're going to continue to have value, even though they've already played both in like, close to 9, 10 games. They've shot up all the analytic charts. Uh, but again, I think that matchup angle, that X and O type angle, that unfamiliarity aspect will play well here for the Bison.
2: Yeah, the, the last factor I want to throw in here, and this is the biggest reason I've been wrong on Howard this year, is they have a star freshman. That's like the hardest thing to track in preparation for the season is how good is a freshman going to be at the mid to low major level. And Elijah Hawkins, the freshman point guard, has been elite. Yep. He's not a terrific finisher. His, his O rating isn't great, but he's 10th in the country in assist rate. He's 74th in steal rate. He produces so much, uh, so many good looks for the rest of the team. That's really how their offense has been efficient. Having that kind of a lead guard who is, mind you, from Washington, D.C., yep. probably yep. pissed Georgetown didn't give him a look. I think he plays extremely well here in a not as hostile atmosphere as you might think. Yeah, Howard, guys, I can't believe I'm on board with the Bison, but I, I, I think they get it done. I think they're going to knock off the Hoyas.
3: Yeah, Hawkins wow. had 16 and 11 dimes against Nova early in the year, Jim. So yeah, I mean, he's proven he can do it against elite competition and Georgetown's defense is not in the same stratosphere as Nova's.
2: No, not even close. Let's keep moving down the list here. Next one, Mississippi State is playing as we're recording this. Uh, they, they're playing on Tuesday night, so we're not going to have that result. Uh, They're hosting Georgia State. That's already a dangerous game against a potentially live dog. Now on Friday, they're going to be right in the same spread range hosting Furman, who's going from at North Carolina on Tuesday to at Mississippi State. Is this a case where if Furman doesn't win Tuesday and Mississippi State does, we love this even more? Is Is that how we would look at this? I'd probably say that, Jim. Yeah, Furman's
1: dangerous, man. They beat Louisville in overtime at Louisville. Hopefully they gave UNC a game on Tuesday. We obviously don't know the result of that as a recording prior to it. But yeah, this Miss State team, Matt, they're just a team that's still in progress for me. And you said it with Washington State. They're a team in transition currently, and that's a pretty good team to fade. And when you're talking about a money line special, Furman's not going to be intimidated. Their offense rocks. They shoot a ton of threes. You know, you got to be worried about Mississippi State's size, clearly, because that's Furman's problem in every single game. But I really do think Furman's a live
2: dog here. They can stay close. And no Tolu Smith for Mississippi no, Tolu State. No Tolu so Smith. That, 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 that neg- helps. Negates a little bit of the inside advantage. I'm sure Garrison Brooks will still eat, Matthew. Yes.
3: Yeah, Mississippi State. I'm just going to – you can segment their schedule into good teams versus bad teams pretty easily. Started off first four games of the year, North Alabama, Montana, Detroit, and Moorhead. Wiped the floor with all four of them. Then they got Louisville, got beat by 14, needed overtime to skis a cover against Richmond two nights later and then lost to Minnesota at home and just blew a late lead to Colorado State. So those last four games, good teams, they're 4 against the spread. Did not cover against Lamar either. For the yeah, against Lamar, right. was just sandwiched in between the Richmond and Minnesota game. Short, short-handed so, Lamar. Only won by 15 against a crippled Lamar team. I like Mississippi State long-term. I don't like him until I get Toluse Smith back, and all signs are he will not be ready for this
2: game. This is in. I'm in on this one. Let's go Furman, baby. So I'm not in on Mississippi State long term. I think any team with Rocket Watts on it is bound to underperform and they will continue to do so. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is another one I like. Again, if we if we can go two for four out of these, we're sitting pretty. So this is a worthwhile gamble on the Paladins here. Jim, I was encouraged to
3: see Rocket Watts only play 15 minutes last game. It seems like Halland's starting to put him in timeout slowly
2: and surely, kind of fade him into oblivion, which is a good thing. I mean, his you. his O rating is somehow worse than it was his last year at Michigan State. Like he's <laughs> he's somehow getting worse. It's incredible. Regression. Yeah, tough. Tough to see. All right. Next one on the outline. This is a rare home dog. We don't get a lot of the home dogs in this situation. It's it's a lot of these road teams. Matt, we've got BYU heading to Weber State, an in-state battle in Utah. You know it's going to mean quite a bit for Weber. BYU's got issues with their big men being injured. Weber's plenty talented. This is another one I love, Matt. The D, tough place to play. Do you think Weber gets it done as well? Tough. Had BYU taking care of business at
3: Creighton last weekend, I think I might be... A little more tempted by it, but I think you'll have a, a bounce back spot here for Mark Pope. But man, Weaver's good, talented. The coaching advantage kind of negated Randy Ray knows how to draw him up on the clipboard, baby. I' Tough for me to go against BYU here, just given the spot. But yeah, I, I think this is a good chance for Weaver to pull off the home upset, even though the home advantage isn't huge. Not a super tough travel. Both teams in the Utah proper. The beehive. Oh, but it's about the crowd, man. The
1: crowd should be electric. It better be electric. The crowd has gotten flack this year from players. Kobe McEwen called out the crowd. Hilarious. Because there wasn't anyone showing up to these games. I don't think that's going to be the case against BYU. I think the crowd will indeed show up. Yeah, sell out. So uh, huge, huge game. And they, by the way, they play Utah state tonight, Wednesday at home as well. Randy Ray getting these big teams coming to come to his town, his neck of the woods. I love this game for Weber, man. Dante Bassett being back in the lineup is enormous for Weber. They're already a good team. They add maybe the best player in Bassett, former Florida guy. The sky's kind of limit here for Weber state. I, I think they can hang. They have a ton of talent. Obviously they, they got wiped by Washington state. That was on the road. I think it's different at the D I do like Weber state as a
2: live dog. Here. And the D we trust that's right, guys. Right. So I, we're going four for four there. So we know that. That's, That's wonderful. True. Should we add some uh, more? Let's get greedy. Yeah, Matt, you got anything else for us here? Well, you we have a little bit of a tug of war here. I saw this included in multiple sections. Nichols at Wisconsin. To be clear, I put this in the live dog with a question mark because I'm I, not necessarily, I don't, this isn't what I'm actually endorsing. Okay. I think this could be a blowout, but I think it's a fun little debate. Actually, I'll
3: just say it for blowout city. I can't believe I'm going to endorse Wisconsin in a blowout city section against Nichols, one of the funnest, most feisty dogs in the game. Um, but I have some good matchup angles. I'll just say that. We'll table that.
2: Well, while while we table that, man, I want you to look up the uh, Nichols ATS record as a road team at power conference squads. It's, it's like 90%. It's insane. They're right? very good in those situations. Austin Clonch, man. he's the He's got that devil magic going. A couple of outright wins as well. All right, Kai, let's talk UC Irvine at USC. This is Wednesday night. UC Irvine definitely has the bigs to battle with the Trojans inside. Colin Velp and the three-headed center monster that they rotate there. The question is, are the guards good enough to hang? Are they going to be able to deal with the size of USC's backcourt, especially Drew Peterson, Isaiah White? What do you think? Honestly, no. I don't
1: think Irvine, no. Because I look at it the other way. I, I see USC, a team that basically combats what Irvine's best at, and that's getting the ball to whelp. I do not see them covering this game. I think USC takes it pretty easily. Last year, by the way, 91-56, to USC. Yeah. I just think it's not a good matchup for Irvine.
2: Smoked him. And Dawson Baker, the key guard for... Uh, UC Irvine we don't for sure know his status whether he'll be back so without him I, I don't think you can back the anteaters as appealing as it might be one other one I want to mention we're going to spotlight it in our potential dark horse at large teams but Iona taking on Seton Hall at Madison yeah. Square Garden on Saturday just uh, have an eye out for the Gales because they that team could really potentially get a big win against Seton Hall on that neutral floor and again we'll we'll analyze that further towards the end of the episode All right, Matt, you kind of hinted at it, so let's get to it now. Let's get to Blowout City. This is our section where we go through teams we think are going to be favored by a lot, and justifiably so, they're going to crush their competition. I'm going to need you to make the case, Matt. You brought up Nichols at Wisconsin on Wednesday night. Ken Palm projects it around 18. Why do you think the Badgers can kick the crap out of the Colonels.
3: Yeah, it may be a finicky argument, and I feel like this is very vintage Matt against the green, trying to find the the opposite angle against the uh, the headwind of momentum or whatever else is seeing. Wisconsin is so good at keeping teams out of transition, and I think that's what Nichols needs to score this year. I've watched them play a few times. Their half-court offense is really herky-jerky. I, I think they just outwork you. They outplay you. They just play hard as f. And that plays well as a dog because I don't think favorites are always expecting that type of it was energy. Very cute. From, it
2: was very cute of you to censor yourself. To shopping. censor myself?
3: Yeah. yeah. But I, I just don't feel like this is the right play for Nichols. I, I, I don't. I think Wisconsin keeps them out of transition. And Nichols just played last Thursday. And they played this Monday. And they, I mean, they could be, like, tired even. And they have to go up to Wisconsin to play a throwaway game before Christmas. I think Wisconsin just mauls them. I do. In a very Virginia crockpot fashion.
1: Yeah, it might be a sleepy spot. I don't know. I bet it's pretty sleepy for Wisconsin, too, though. That's I true. Mean, yeah. yeah. I don't Coming think they off, care much about Conference games? Conference game.
2: Yeah. Marquette have and to, conference games. Now they played this one.
1: I'd have to look up their exam schedules, but it's got to be soon. Maybe there's no one at this game. Austin Clonch is good coach. I don't know. We'll see what the spread ends up being, but I could see them hanging around within 20 or so.
2: Yeah, man. I, the one pushback i give you is the slowest game Nichols played this year was at TCU, and they oh, were up 30 shit. to 24 at halftime. Yeah against the power conference team. Now they gave up that run in the second half. They did end up covering full game. I was sweating the very end of that one. And Wisconsin's a better team than TCU. Make no mistake about it. But they were able to play with a power conference team at that tempo. So we'll see. Uh, all right. Two others I wrote down, the second of which I, I, I adore. But we'll start with UCLA hosting Alabama State. This one is Wednesday night. Huge, huge spread, 34 on Ken Palm. I'd expect it to potentially creep even higher than that. We might see Cody Riley return for UCLA. He's getting close. Uh, of course, you've got Hakez and Juzang, the monster wing duo. You've got the Point God, Tiger Campbell. I mean, Kai, why does Alabama State even give a single crap about this big trip out west? I don't think they do. And, and after covering against Western Kentucky,
1: Vanderbilt, Missouri State, Iowa State, Iowa, they haven't covered in the last four games. I think the Magic might be a little bit over, at least in the non-con for Alabama State. UCLA, man, that's a scary team to face. That's blowout potential. They are so solid, so experienced, so talented. There are three games against teams outside the top 220 this year. They've won by 37, 21, and 35. I think they can absolutely blow Alabama State out of the water, Matt, in this game.
3: Yeah, we're running out of these SWAC, MIAC, Southland teams to fade. A lot of them have just gotten better this year and others are playing a different style that doesn't make them as prone to blowouts. There's very few left on our little mini docket of teams that we're looking to maybe attack against a formidable favorite in the right spot. Bama State is one of those squads still for me. And Mo Williams has done an okay job this season. They're just outmanned and outgunned. And Mick Cronin is notorious for letting his horses run and run and run against these crap teams. It's almost like he has two different coaching playbooks. Like against good teams, plays more true old Mick Cronin form. Against bad teams, the North Florida game comes to mind. The Long Beach State comes to mind. The possession count could get high 70s. And that is not a recipe for success if you're Alabama State.
2: Now, you know who else is outmanned and outgunned? The US in the Revolutionary War. Wow, that's a poll. <laughs>
3: It's a, Hamilton, taking it's a Hamilton State,
2: quote, isn't it? Like, are you taking Bama State Hamilton. money line? Is that what I'm implying? No, God, absolutely not. Uh, I don't I don't think we're gonna have our uh, Boston Tea cow- Party moment and you can't cow- <laughs> there's no there's no Yorktown coming for Alabama State, unfortunately. All right, Revolutionary War jokes over because we're getting to my blog. We have more of those to come. Yeah, my favorite one of the week. Eastern Illinois is headed to Western Illinois on Saturday. I'm sure this is on no one's radar, but for me, this is a, going to be a 35-point demolition. Eastern Illinois beat Western Illinois last year. Most of the Western guys are back at same core. They're going to remember this is a rivalry. And this Eastern Illinois team stinks out loud. They're awful. They might be one of the worst three teams in the entire country. They cannot score offensively. Kai, our Mizzou Tigers covered against Eastern Illinois. That's how bad they
1: are. Jim, that's a great point. And stinks out loud, I think, is a Hey Arnold reference. Uh, At least it was said quite a bit on that show. Western Illinois is a monster. Eastern Illinois sucks. Western Illinois seven and one against the spread with the plus 9.9 cover margin EIU three and six the spread minus 5.8 cover margin. I mean, golly, Matt, they play fast. They can score Western Illinois. They shoot the crap out of the ball and they shoot a ton of threes. I'm with Jim here. This is a blowout. The leathernecks, one of the best nicknames in college basketball gets it done. McComb's going to be lit, Jimmy. We had to venture down, me and Kai from uh, from Chicago to, to catch
3: it. I've, I've made person. that drive. You've been there. I went. What's, to that, the what's that venue
2: like? What's that? Was that going to deliver some juice behind the the home well, leather next there? I, the, the team is much better this year than it was the time I oh, went. Yeah. I saw Mike Dom and the Jack Bunnies win by thirty on the road. So I think you might get a better <laughs> environment. for yeah, this one. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, so. This is a motivated favorite, Matthew. Right.
3: Yes, and my thing with Eastern Illinois is not only are they bad and talent depleted, they don't know who they are or who's going to play on a nightly basis. They have eight different starting lineups through 11 games. So just screams like Marty Simmons. And Marty Simmons, he was at Evansville for years, ran a vintage slow motion offense. He's beloved in the Valley. Now this is like his new reclamation project. But man, he is decades away from getting to go in there. And this just feels like
2: such a throwaway. (laughs) Decades, oh, decades is tough. Yeah, he's going to need some time. I think this is the best blowout pick of the week. So riding with Western Illinois on Saturday. All right. That means it is time for power game of the week. Fellas, it's all on Saturday this week. It is a quiet Wednesday, Thursday, Friday slate, unless you're really into Villanova at Creighton, but we're not. I'm sorry. I think Villanova bounces back big on that one on Friday. So we're talking some neutral site showdowns on Saturday. We'll start with Kentucky and Ohio State. This is in Las Vegas, fellas. Unfortunately, I will not be able to attend. I will be out of town this weekend, but man, the CBS sports classic gives us the double header of Kentucky, Ohio state and UNC UCLA. We got Ohio state minus one at Ken Palm. That's a, probably a decent estimation of the spread. Although I think Kentucky big blue nation out here, betting could swing that over to the wildcats as a favorite Kai, We're not happy with Kentucky after their performance at Notre name. Do you think no. they get a big win on a neutral site here before Christmas?
1: They need it. They have zero good wins. They really need this win way more than Ohio State does, who's racked up a few good wins already. Watching that Kentucky game against Notre Dame, it gave me yucky flashbacks to last season. Watching Kentucky when they were just so bad and not your typical Kentucky team. Matt, they're two from 19 from three, but yeah. 64% inside the arc which means you're settling for bad shots. You're playing stupid basketball. Unfortunately, that's what Kentucky can do on offense. And Ohio State is a team right now that's playing extremely well, even without Suing in the lineup. That's worrisome. Kentucky only scored one point per possession against Notre Dame's 110th-ranked defense. Ohio State's much better defensively. My number's probably going to lean Kentucky, but Ohio State's the way better team currently.
3: Yeah, I Kentucky. I'm going to take Big Blue Nation here. I don't feel good about it. Cal has lost like all faith in his bench. He's playing like no bench guys. Rotation has been shrunk to basically six and a half dudes. Jim, the matchup here is all about EJ Liddell. And do we think Kentucky has the horses to throw on him? It seems like Keon Brooks or uh, Jacob Toppin probably draw that assignment. Maybe Sheway gets a few looks here and there, but I think Liddell's a too perimeter oriented, too nimble for uh, to bring Sheway away from the basket there. I just like Kentucky. They have more experience playing in these big games. And Kyle, you mentioned the point about desperation. They need this one badly. I think Cal just puts all the chips in and they get it done.
1: Liddell. So I was thinking, oh yeah, Kentucky's got tons of athletes. Liddell was 14 and 14 and six against Duke. I mean. I think he just, yeah, he, was a of, machine. He's he, a he does whatever he
2: wants, no matter what, Jim. He's just awesome. He's incredible. He might be the leader for national player of the year right now. So yeah, I, I don't think Kentucky will be stopping him, but I'm kind of with Matt. Kentucky can't go the entire non-con without a big win. It feels like they're going to get it. So yeah. we'll see. I'm going to go straight to the other one in that doubleheader, guys. We're going to stay in Vegas. UNC, UCLA, we just talked to UCLA in the blowout section. Maybe they're looking past Alabama State to see this big North Carolina game coming up, but I don't know. Let's figure out what we think here. I mean, Leaky Black is a pretty good matchup for Johnny Juzang and the shot-making on the wing. Black has been phenomenal as a, as a wing stopper this year. Hasn't been scoring, but they don't need him to with the way Caleb Love and R.J. Davis in that front court are playing. Matt, do we think that the North Carolina onslaught of bigs with Manick and Baycott and Dawson Garcia, is that too much for UCLA who might still have a hampered Cody Riley here? Yeah, that's the key. I don't know. I'm still looking at UNC's
3: offense, and I'm actually growing to like it a lot. Hubert Davis is playing two-point guards almost exclusively now with Caleb Love and R.J. Davis are harmonious. Kai, how's that for a word in the backcourt? I I like the cut of their jib so far. Bigs are very skilled but defensively Jim Leakey Black outside of that who has defended at a high level so far for UNC this year I need to see some evidence of another rim protector emerge. Baycott's emerged. been a solid rim protector. Baycott's been fine. That's fair. manic has been okay, and Garcia's been okay. But just as an individual, maybe I guess it's more in the backcourt where the defensive issues have fallen. Just can't stay in front of guys. And UCLA has multiple slashers who will attack the rim. I mean, if there's a guy who goes harder to the rim than Mr. Hakez, let me know. That dude just loves to get to the rim. I think there's multiple of those wings for UCLA that have big games. I like the Bruins here.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm trying to get a pulse on UNC. I, I gave up too early on them after the Tennessee blowout because they, they really did hang with Purdue, and they had a chance to cover that game. They've moved up 21 spots since getting blown out by Tennessee in Pom. Michigan and Georgia Tech have their own problems, so maybe you caveat those big wins for UNC saying, okay, those other teams are, are dealing with their own stuff. UNC is still not that great. Not being able to get away from Elon was maybe indicative of that. As I said in the blowout city section, UCLA is just a scary team to fade. They're just elite on both ends of the floor. You can't say that about UNC. I agree, Matt. UNC's defense outside of Black just not that great this year. It's really hard to trust them. And if the spread's around four. I expect money to be on UCLA. The spread's can definitely go up. I'm kind of leaning towards the Bruins. I, I don't feel great about it, Jim, but my gut is leaning.
2: Yeah, I, I'm guessing this is going to end up being sort of anti-market for me. Where step it's in on UNC. Get, it's going to get bet up, and I would have to. Or I would be. Told by my number to step in on UNC, and I don't know if I want to do that. Uh, I don't think it's going to be like some crazy partisan crowd to UCLA, even though they are out West here. I have a feeling UNC will have a decently strong fan contingent, but I don't know if I'm going to push back against the market. I do kind of like the matchup for UCLA, as these guys both mentioned. And I don't know, guys. I, it's like we, we talked about this comparison to Iowa last year, where it was a team that the public was super high on entering the season. Yeah. And we were a little low around, and then the season started. We're like, oh, yeah, I don't want to fade that team. They're really, yeah. really good, and they're scary. And if you're wrong, you're dead wrong when you're against them. So yeah. it's probably going to end up being a stay away from me. Let's go back to the outline, talk through a couple of these big games from Phoenix on Saturday. Another neutral site showcase, Texas Tech and Gonzaga. Oh, boy, this is a big one. Gonzaga has lost two straight big games, dropped one in Seattle to Alabama, then lost to Duke in Vegas, actually vice versa, chronological order. Do they get back on track now against Texas Tech, Mark Adams, and the boys? Kai, I'm going to go to you first here. It seems like Texas Tech's a little more willing to run this year than they've been in the Chris Beard days. Not an up-tempo team, but if they start to run a little bit with Gonzaga, that's where I think they're going to get in big, big trouble. Gonzaga transition attack is nothing to be trifled with.
1: Yeah, and I'm throwing out that Tennessee game. I think Texas Tech's very good. That that fluke shooting on both ends was just that, a fluke. Tech's done it all year with physicality, rebounding, getting to the line, attacking the basket. I think that's a tough way to beat Gonzaga, Matt. They're huge. They have a lot of length. Sure, they're skinny, but we all know Chet Holmgren can block anything within a five-mile radius of his yeah. arms. That's a tough way to beat the Zags and in a, a neutral site, five-point spread-ish. Probably going to be more than that in the market. And a team like Gonzaga who can I hope it's shoot. not. I hope yeah. it's five. Yeah, it'd be great if it was five because yeah. I'd, I'd take Gonzaga. You yep. can shoot. They, their numbers aren't great from outside, but they can shoot. Obviously, Texas Tech packs in a little bit more under Luke yep. Adams. Um, that's going to deter Timmy, but I think there's enough there for Gonzaga to get this cover.
3: Yeah, I like Gonzaga a lot. I, the packed-in defense doesn't bode well for like Gonzaga's spread-out cutting action, which is where they get so many easy layups but I think they can score inside and play through Timmy without a ton of resistance, similar to what we saw them do against Texas up front. I don't fully buy into Texas tech's interior defensive strength quite yet. Uh, it's been decent so far, but they really haven't been tested outside of the Providence game, which they did lose. I like the Zags here, Jim. I think they need that when similar to the Kentucky narrative. It's just, this feels like a spot where they play well.
2: Yeah. It, the recent memory of Gonzaga with everybody is, wow, they lost twice neutral ish site games I think both those teams, Alabama and Duke, exposed their wing perimeter defense. Guys really can get into the lane off the dribble. Maybe Shannon and McCuller can do that here, but I I don't think they can do it to the same degree of effectiveness. I'm definitely a a, a zag guy in this one. I I think they win by 10 plus. And they'll be off by, I think, 10 days coming into this one as well. So plenty of time to get prepared and get hyped. All right, last one we're going to talk about here. We can't go a pod without talking about Memphis and the disaster area that is the Tigers. They're playing Tennessee in Nashville. Now, again, they're playing after we are recording this. They've got the the big Tuesday night game with Alabama, so we don't know what's happening there. But this game is usually ugly. It is usually a war, especially once since Barnes has gotten there. The Barnes-Hardaway games have been gross, like really low scoring. I could definitely see this one being a brawl, Matt. I kind of like the under again.
3: I do, too. I like Tennessee more. I think Memphis just gifts the ball to Tennessee. And, I mean, it is the season, right? It is Christmas time and Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, whatever you're celebrating out there.
2: Matt, do you know what Tennessee's ranked in Ken Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency?
3: Uh, One, two, three, one? One. It's a good defense, Jim. And they also turn you over this year, too. That's not just like a sit back and guard you. They're they're getting out. They're pressing a little bit. They're so long. They have those anticipatory instincts. And Memphis hasn't valued a possession since, like, 2015. So, uh, I like
1: the balls here. (laughs) Well, the last two games, Texas Tech, that gross game, and the the Greensboro game where they allowed 36 points, certainly helping those defensive numbers. Yeah. (laughs) I would say watch how Memphis fares against Alabama. If they bounce back and win that game, this spread will be around six. If they lose against Bama, I could see – this spread getting up into double digits for Tennessee, and if that's the case, I'm not sure which way I'd punch. To be honest, Memphis clearly has their own problems. It's funny, Jim. DeAndre Williams, Lester Canones, and Landers Nally are clearly the jealous upperclassmen that Penny threw under the bus a couple weeks ago. Didn't start, didn't play many minutes. This team's chemistry is just bonkers right now. I don't know how you can lean them in any matchup until they show. Some sort of improvement.
3: Like Tyler Harris is carrying this team at times, not always
2: signed up for with Memphis preseason. So that you can't, you have to reframe your priors completely at this point. I, I should mention, I, I said the has been strong here. Well, the the last time they played, it was fifty one to forty seven on sixty six possessions. But the time before that was one hundred and two to ninety two. Penny's first year wow. in Memphis, they played a complete track meet. Do not remember uh, that. I think there was like a million fouls in that game, if I recall correctly. A ton of free throws taken. Sounds. I think that 2019-20 season matchup where it was 51-47 to is the more indicative matchup and how this one will play out as well.
1: Jim, Tennessee took 46
2: free throws in that game. Yeah, I mean, that's insane. (laughs) They made 39. 39 of their 102 points. What a a ridiculous game. That's it for Power Game of the Week. Let's go to the mid-major game of the week. Spotlight a couple here. Mid-major game of the week. Chattanooga at Belmont Wednesday night. That's what we're starting with. That's the headliner, potentially the best team in the SoCon versus the best team in the OVC. Matt, what are you looking at? Like Belmont,
3: um, Nuga's been great, and I think we need to pay an ode to Sylvia De do You could write a thirty for thirty about his college career from the Kansas debacle to the FBI thing to the WWE wrestling moment, and now <laughs> he's having a resurrection. He's been awesome for Nuga. He's a legit force up front. He's key to stopping Belmont's interior um, anchor and in Nick Mazunski. I still like Belmont though. I think they get a lot of back doors, A lot of those Gonzaga type of cut layups. That's hard to prepare for if you're not familiar with it, even though Nuga is well-coached
1: Belmont at large, still in play yeah. probably in the undefeated Ohio Valley, but neutral wins. I own a Drake. They want it slew solid, probably need some, something else here. This to go a long way, but Chattanooga is really good, man. One of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. Just an all-out grinding style right now. Third slowest team in the country. Usually the slower team wins the pace battle here. Belmont might not get sucked in because they are so well coached, but I tend to think Nuga pushes it more towards slow versus fast. And seven, for that reason, is way too much for me. I, I will be on Nuga.
2: Yeah, if, if it's seven, I'll be on Nuga as well. Having two like legitimate star shot-making guards in Jean Baptiste and Malachi Smith, that, that's massive for a game that I think is going to be close late. They can get buckets if they need to. Just too many. I think these teams are closer to equal than the Ken Pump spread indicates. So we'll lean towards the mocks. Uh Two others to mention here. South Dakota State at Missouri State. Matt. Not a finished product yet with Missouri State. They're still waiting on getting their point guard back. DeMarcus Sharp, big man Gage Prim, has been dealing with injury. We got the Jack Bunnies the win at Washington State. Do they get another road one here against the Bears?
3: I like the Bears going back-to-back home spots in these mid-majors. Gage Prim should be healthier is not the right word. He was under the weather, so he should be recovering from that. He should play more minutes, and they can play through him. I don't think South Coast State is a good answer uh, for Mr. Prim up front. I like the Bears
1: yeah, Gage Prim could definitely dominate this matchup. i love me some jack bunnies overall. The second best three-point percentage in the country, but their defense is so bad. That's how they can lose fluke games like we saw against Idaho. Not I athletes. Mean, not athletes. Pra- Prairie View A&M put up 90. Idaho put up like 98 points. Their defense is bad, and-, and Gage Prim is going to basically get whatever he wants here. Now, South Dakota State's going to range triples too, Jim. Douglas Wilson has a lot of mobility. It's a tough matchup. I think the over is the best play in this matchup. I- I'll probably mm-hmm. be on the over.
2: It's going to be so efficient, like both teams are going to be able to get what they want offensively. Tempo is going to be a struggle. Missouri State wants to slow it a little more than South Dakota State does. But yeah, if Prim is like back to himself, then I would lean towards Missouri State. Otherwise, it would be stay away from me. All right, last one, Marshall at Ohio. Ohio did beat Belmont earlier this season in the season opener. That's going to be maybe a thorn in the Belmont at large uh, side there. Marshall, get up and down, run a lot. Kai, do you think they turn this into the track meet that they want and are able to take out an Ohio team that has zero depth right now? Yeah.
1: Let's look at Marshall real quick. I thought they were Jekyll and Hyde coming in. Matt, they might just be actually kind of No, they're a good team. I don't think so. I I don't know. Let's look at they beat Wright State. Okay, is Wright State good? They lost to Campbell. They took care of Louisiana. Louisiana's hurt like crazy yeah, right now. Fair. They hung with IU and Akron. Not bad. Barely beat Duquesne. That's bad. Took care of Eastern Kentucky on the road. Okay, pretty good. So it is kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team. I, I would lean towards underachieve there versus overachieve. And Ohio is certainly a team that you cannot play poor against because they still have the awesome guards and Sears. McDay probably out of this game still. And they have awesome big guys in Carter and Vanderplas. Now, having said that, Marshall has a huge advantage inside without Dwight Wilson. Yes. Dwight Wilson's key. I would think he'd be healthy eventually here. I don't know what he's at with, to be honest. It's been the entire season so far for him. Yeah. If he would be magically appeared in this game, I'd love Ohio. Without him, probably sitting on the fence.
3: Yeah, Ohio's interior defense is sort of a sieve right now, and I think Civ, excuse me, and I think uh, Marshall attacks it. It's just weird to see Marshall, who we all associate with John Marshall and the three-point bombing, thundering herd of the NCAA tournament glory years when they so, beat Wichita State. So but this John, is a different, John Marshall, even John, John Elmore, Marshall, John Elmore. Sorry, John Marshall <laughs> just, plays for Marshall. It's like Johnny, Johnny Football.
2: They, he was so good there; they just called him Johnny Marshall. <laughs> John... <laughs> I wish we wouldn't see
3: more Ott Elmore on that team, but that's neither here nor there. I think Marshall has a big size advantage up front. And Kai, you went through that resume. I put more stock in some of those close efforts against good teams. Very impressed against Indiana, to be honest. So I, I like this team
2: yeah i said in the beginning of the year i think marshall's a guard away but the problem is they're just not their response to that is well we just won't take our two good guards off the court we don't need a third guard if our top two play all 40 minutes and that's basically what they're doing with kinsey and andrew taylor and it's worked out pretty well for him so yeah i have i have no take here i think maybe without mcday would lean towards marshall as the road dog but nothing crazy strong
1: the trash man pick of the week
0: i'm the trash man just throw me in the trash you're garbage and you know it totally unreliable that undependable that it? that's it you've been told off how do you like that good
2: the old trash man he's coming and he is taking a look matt at cal state bakersfield at abilene christian this is wednesday actually i don't know which of you did the extensive prep for this one so i, did. I will, okay matt Here's tell me why. why this game is disgusting
3: a uh, little bit scarred because i had prairie view pretty big at boise and that turned into a free throw-a-thon a lopsided one-way free throw-a-thon which Prairie View got eviscerated in a death by a thousand paper cuts. And I think this game gives me very similar deja vu juju vibes. Both teams, Bakersfield, Shake and Bake, as we call them, and ACU, they pressure, they foul, and both teams are terrible free throw shooters, especially Bakersfield. Absolutely horrible. Last few games for Bakersfield, Kai, 61 possessions and 59 possessions, 46 39 win at Boise and a 59 to 58 win over Idaho. This is gross. Don't watch it. I like the under. Done. Yeah.
1: Thanks, guys. I love Apple and Christian, this team in general. They're just awesome. They're
2: fun. They're little, but they're fun. I
1: I don't know how they do it, but they keep doing it, and I'm going to keep riding them.
2: Yeah, I've just been – I was like, oh, without Golding and the big guys, the post-threats, they'll regress a little bit. Nope, this team rules. It will continue giving Bakersfield problems. All right, the other one, I I just don't even want to talk about it long. Chicago State at IUPUI. (sighs) This is disgusting. Do you guys know how many games IUPUI has gone over the total this year? Zero. It is zero. Their games have had like 104 points basically every time out. IUPUI has not scored 60 points in a game this season. They've only broken 50 twice. Jeez. That offense is the worst in the country. Uh, and now they're playing Chicago State. How is IUPUI favored over everybody? Yeah, Ken tom has got a three. Uh,
1: I mean, Chicago State's the better side probably. IUPUI might be the worst team in the country. I say that without hyperbole. Just watching them play, just absolutely yeah, brutal. They do not look like division one players on offense. That is how bad IUPUI is. We can get out there and, and function just fine. They make Memphis offense.
2: look prudent and smart with the ball. They do. That's yeah, how bad
1: they are offense. My one worry about uh, a total in here, Chicago state, Northern Illinois had over 50 fouls called in that game. Chicago state certainly fouls. I don't know IUPUI's tendencies necessarily. I'm just saying that is a great, another coal in the fire for trash man pick of the week. If you're looking to bet this game, God bless you. But uh, <laughs> I might just stay far, far away.
2: Yeah, if you watch this game, you're gross. Don't watch
1: it. It's really frustrating <laughs> watching these You're a bigger degenerate
3: <laughs> than we are. And actually, hey, we should commend that. We should encourage
2: such a thing We should commend that. We should, we should commend it. it. All right, let's get to our spotlight section and wrap this up. I mentioned we we're going to talk non-traditional at-large candidates. I want to get to three specifically, guys, before we talk a couple weird schedule spots. First, UAB is hosting West Virginia on Saturday. And Matt, I don't know if you've looked at this yet, but I want you to guess what Ken Pom has the line.
3: West Virginia minus ten. What? Away. what? I bet it's a pick. Oh, sorry, UAB hosting. I'm sorry. UAB hosting. Uh West Virginia minus four. No, three.
2: It's, U- it's UAB minus four on Ken Pom. Jesus. Yeah. Really? They might be the better team, guys. West Virginia has not been good this year. Their offense is broken and disjointed. They don't have a creator. This was our worry when Miles McBride left that no one's making the shots for Taz Sherman and Sean McNeil anymore. They don't have a post-up threat without Culver, and UAB is going to pressure the crap out of them. With with them needing this win, Kai, to get on an at-large radar, I really like UAB here. If it's four, I'm
1: taking West Virginia for sure. and I'll be head-to-head with you. Oh, come on. You can't take UAB minus four here. No way. There's going to be 100 turnovers in this game. Yeah, it's going to be a gross game. West Virginia's I, might, defense I might give has been like incredible. seven for home here. Western has been incredible this year defensively. Look at the UConn game. Even Kent State allowing 50 points. Radford scored 51. Bellarmine scored 55. They're going to keep this game low possession. It's going to be tough for UAB to score. I hope their dogs have four points or five points. I'll take the Mountaineers. Yeah, this is
2: the slowest West Virginia team since 2013. He, yeah, he has never played this slow. Uh, actually, this is his slowest team in terms of rank tempo. There's just not a lot of offensive threats here, Matt, so they're going half court. I don't know. I, I, I just think it means way more for UAB. I'm I'm kind of in on the Blazers in this one. Yeah, you might be on it some, Jim. I can't make a good case for West Virginia other than Kai said, so I'll just continue to – I'll, I'll <laughs> shut up. Move, move along. All right. Uh, the other team, I, I mentioned this at the top, Iona. They're playing Seton Hall at Madison Square Garden on Saturday, Ricky Patino at Madison Square Garden – This feels like a magical spot. Seton Hall just beat Texas at home. They just beat Rutgers at home, the big rivalry game. Now they are got to play Iona, who's just going to be super feisty. Again, this could be a dog of the week, a dog outright pick of the week. Do you guys think Iona can win? I'll start with you, Matt. Yeah, we touted it. I think last week,
3: talking about how they had Yale coming up on the neutral site there at Brooklyn, the Barclays. Now this is like truly the most elevated, the brightest of the stage that he'll be on in the rest of non-con Madison Square Garden. He didn't. He actually has to go and coach against Delaware at the new venue in Long Island. So he's doing like a little New York neutral site pageantry red carpet tour. And this is obviously the the headlight, the crescendo, the apex of that. Yes, I think Iona wins this
1: game. I don't think Iona wins. I think they can hang. They can hang. Is that is Ike Obiagu back? And that's that a key. Yeah, it's a key point. If he's, back, if he's cer- back, certainly Seton Hall lean there with Joseph going against Obiagu. That's a stout defender there. Seton Hall's been really good guys. Yep, it's, man, a, man. it's a great spot for Iona for sure. But Seton Hall has been, well, we expected him to be probably close to this good, but better than most people have expected. Yeah.
2: Iona did get Elijah Joyner back last game. He started and played 28 minutes. And that's a lot more than I thought he would play in that one. So Having him with a game under his belt before this one gives me the, the nudge. To, I think Iona wins, and we, we get the big-time Rick Pitino at-large discussions. Those are going to be quite frequent as we go through January and February, as long as they don't trip up in the MAC. All right, the last team I wanted to cite here, San Francisco. Undefeated San Francisco. The, the Dons. The 10-0 Dons, Matthew. They've got a twofer. In Arizona this weekend, they play Grand Canyon in Phoenix on Saturday. That's at the Footprint Center, the home of the Suns, so not at GCU Arena. And then they go to Arizona State in Tempe on Sunday. If they can sweep these two, they are a very real at-large candidate. Can they win
3: both? Man, going back-to-back back at zona State, who had a team that I feel is undervalued right now, I hope for their sake that Marcus Bagley's still out. Sounds like that timetable just gets fuzzier and fuzzier every day. I think they can win both. I know the odds are probably against them. The models would say they are dogs to win both. Kempom has them winning both by a small margin, but mathematically, they're probably dogs to, to actually pull it out. I think they get it done. They defy the odds, ironically, because they are mathematical gurus out there in NorCal.
1: Well, let's see. Let's do the math here. 73% times 62%. Yeah, there are dogs to win both, Matt. I Boom. How about that
3: little arithmetic right. on air, baby? Get the I nerds
1: think, out. I think they beat Grand Canyon. It's not at Grand Canyon's official home which is good news because that place is can be a house of horrors i don't think grand canyon is as good as the market thinks they are so i think they win that game i am worried a little bit about arizona state i hope they do it though i really do i I love this don's team we all do and they win both these that's certainly an at-large team
2: yeah they've they've gotten a ton of time off they played those 10 games quick to start the year then they have 10 days off before grand canyon and Arizona state so hopefully they will not be too tired here Let's wrap this up quick, very quick, Matt, with two schedule spots that we want people to keep an eye on as they head into the week. Hit them with them. Tarleton State, South Alabama, the fighting
3: Billy Gillespies. Tarleton State, South Alabama will have played on Tuesday. There's a weird back-to-back thing where they will then travel to Texas to play a second game. My advice to you is as follows. I think if South Alabama pulls away from Tarleton State late, which is tough to do from the Texans, I think the Texans are a live dog back at home. So I just be aware of that schedule spot, and I think you want to take the other team, the team that lost the first meet. We saw this last year with the back-to-backs on repeat. If you lost the first matchup, you're a great bet the second matchup, especially as a larger favorite, which I know goes against the Tarleton State angle a little bit, but I like the Texans there and the potential revenge at home.
1: Tarleton actually favorite on Kempom for this for the
2: second
3: shocking
1: match. i know it would yeah. be wild
3: but hey they've been that good this year especially as a dog Same second thing with one total
2: last year we saw in the back-to-backs if one game goes extraordinarily over or below in the first one and you see the total move in the second matchup that is false you immediately take the other side it's been a plus ev bet if the yep. total moves in their second matchup it's silly it's not predictive on the total the first no game. in no way agree uh, last one here,
3: VCU going to be hosting Florida Atlantic uh, later in the week. Just something to note, this is Florida Atlantic's second true road game of the year, and VCU is trending upwards with the re-inclusion of Ace Ball in their stud point guard. FAU has been overpriced in the market. Just a little recommendation to hit VCU as a favorite. I know they've not been good as a favorite so far this year, but I think that pendulum is about to swing as they get healthier, especially catching an FAU team that will be a little bit, I think, uncomfortable making that trip up north.
2: It's a, it's more life-changing than a trip to Europe, Matt. That's what we know about playing at the Center. That's, wow. that's That's a John Rothstein axiom. Cool. Man. All right, that wraps it up. Thank you folks for tuning in. That is our Wednesday show. We'll be back next Wednesday on the Big Bets on Campus feed. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Listen on Spotify. We appreciate all that. We'll see you next time. On the Big Bets on Campus podcast.